Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Good evening, I'm Pam, and this is Take Two Radio, and joining me tonight as my co-host is the little itty-bitty teeny-weeny Candace. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Wow. Wow. Let me me get my empty-busy voice. Hold on. (laughs) <laughs> well, for any listeners that don't know this, she is a teacher and she deals with babies and she's actually just got promoted to preschool yep. teacher. So she's Yay. still dealing with babies and that's why I was teasing her about being the itty bitty bitty because she te- she deals with itty bitty little kids all day. I, mean, I was going to bust out the itty bitty spider for those who want to hear it. Um, feel free to hit me up on social media. <laughs> that should be the opening. That should be the opening for one night for one of these shows. It's like the itty bitty spider will not the one um, yeah. Well, people might be hanging up because thinking they had the wrong show, but we'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> there well, why don't you go ahead and tell the listeners about our upcoming show on Thursday so I can get our special guest on the phone. Okay. Well, you guys may or may not know, we also uh, not only do celebrity interviews, but we talk about soap. And this week, oh my goodness, we have so much to talk about. I mean, there's stuff going on on Bold and Beautiful regarding somebody can't keep a secret about somebody's health. We have to talk about that. Of course, on Days of Our Lives, there was a secret that came out, but really, do we really believe that this happened? I, I, it's too much. It's too much, too much, too much. And, of course, you know, Young and Russell's in General Hospital, there's a lot going on. So, and we may have a little surprise for you. We may have a, a, little, a little surprise here and there for you, you know. You never know with us. So, stay tuned. And as Pam um, gets our guest, uh, we just want to take this opportunity to thank you guys for listening to our show. Make sure you guys check us out on Blog Talk Radio. Also, uh, give us a review at Take Two Radio. Let us know how we're doing things. If we are addressing the topics, are you guys enjoying our banner? You know. So you know, just let us know how 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 with us. And uh, you can follow us on Take Two Radio, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, everywhere else in the world that you see Take Two Radio at. <laughs> so I want to give a shout out to Anthony Anderson uh, for coming on, uh, talking about the Capital City Web Awards, um, which is going to be in July. You guys, if you are a person who uh, does web series, you may want to submit 
ASAP. Um, the mission ends in April. And um, just follow um, Capital City Web Awards on Facebook and on Twitter for more information. Thank you, Candace. And now back to Pam. <laughs> well, tonight we are so very pleased to have with us Michelle Danner. She's an actress, film and stage director, author, legendary acting coach, and some of her students have been Selma Hayek, Dora Butler, Christian Slater, Penelope Cruz, and many others. And the most important role, she's also a mom. So welcome, Michelle. Hi. Thank you for having me. Uh, yes, no, the mom but... part is definitely the important role <laughs> for sure. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Well, we know how busy you are, and even at the moment. So uh, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us. And um, we'll go ahead and get started so you can get rolling back to doing what you were doing. Yes. Okay. And just so you know, my co-host's name is Candace, and uh, we'll go back Hello. and forth questions. Hi, Candace. Hello. Hello. Hi. So, from what I've read, you were raised in a show business family. So, I think it's almost a 100% thing that your DNA is going to say, okay, I'm going into the entertainment business. <laughs> is that <laughs> somewhat how it went? Or did you kind of make that decision on your own later in life? Or No, I think that I was definitely raised in France and uh, traveled all over Europe when I was, you know, very young. My dad was a producer, and at first he was the president of the William Morris Agency in Paris. He opened their very first offices. And so as I was hiding under his desk, I saw some pretty major, you know, French celebrities, actors, singers uh, come, you know, uh, in, into uh, the William Morris. And um, I was apparently doing lots of imitations of Hitchcock and Ed Sullivan and Judy Garland when I was a little girl, tap dancing on the coffee table and entertaining everybody. Uh, but, but mostly I think what my upbringing gave me, it was a foundation of a lot of culture. I would go to museums. I, I remember that it seems like every Sunday we would go to the Palais de Versailles at Versailles and walk around the castle and the Petit Trianon, um, you know, the um, uh, Marie Antoinette. So, uh, you know, I was uh, read a lot of classics and went to so many museums. So fell in love with literature, with words. And, uh, and that was really my, my upbringing was very European. And like I said, I traveled a lot so at a very young age. So um, when I came back and lived in the United States when I was a teenager, I had all of this cultural, you know, um, a wonderful foundation in me. Wow, that's amazing. What a wonderful childhood you had. Um, there's so many things that you mentioned that I would love to be able to do, but uh, someday. But one thing that stood out to me, and I know you're going to think this is kind of odd or funny, but you were talking about dancing on the table. I used to like to tap dance and do ballet and all that stuff when I was younger, and I tap danced on the table, and my mom would tell me, don't go on there, don't go on there. Well, of course, as a child of five years old, you don't listen. And one day I, it, the table went over. It was like a small coffee table Ooh. thing. 
and I broke my arm. <laughs> oh my god! I knew I knew you were gonna tell a story like that. I was like, oh my god! And what happened? What happened? I knew it was coming. I, I, I think every child does that. I think every child has that curious, you know, curious moment of okay, let's get on the coffee table and see what happens. I think exactly. that's the oh. yes, yeah, the you just curious. So, Michelle, I, I have to say, I read all about you. I, you know, was just like fascinated. I was like, okay, when is this woman going to put out a bio? When are we going to have a movie of the week? a major movie for her, like, who can we cast as you? But I wanted to know, how did you know if this was your passion? Or how did you know if, you, you know, like some people appreciate the performing arts, but some people have the passion, the drive for performing arts. How did you know this was it for you? This was your passion? You know, I think that as a young girl, I had a lot of drive, and I would mount plays in school. I, like I said, I fell in love with literature, and not only did I mount plays, but I did an adaptation of um, the novel uh, The Queen's Necklace by uh, French writer Alexandre Dumas, classic. And I wrote, like, the whole entire play and cast basically the whole school. I think I was in the sixth grade. And I always say the teachers loved me, and also I made them so crazy because I revolutionized the school by doing this. But I would also mount evenings of poetry and dance and music. So um, I was driven at a very, very young age to do, and I I constantly mounted, uh, you know, theater and and concerts. Uh, I was on fire to do that, you know, to this day. I mean, to, to this day. Um, I, I don't, you know, to me, I was born with this passion, uh, but so interesting. I see it so much in my son. My 17-year-old son is in love with writing and directing and um, creating, and I see how immersed he is, and he just he reminds me of me. He reads all the time and watches things all the time, and, um, you know, I mean, I was just, I was born with it at a very, very young age, and it just kept, you know, expanding. And, and even now, you know, as I'm in my adult life and I'm directing feature films, you know, I go, the last feature film that I just finished principal photography on, I said to myself, why, why, why do you do this? You know, it's <laughs> so much work. Yeah. And even now, that I sit down and start to edit. And there's one movie that's launching. We're having the premiere of this other movie that I did on Saturday night at the Chinese. And I keep asking myself, why do you do this? And I just don't think that there's an answer. I think it's just something that I just have to do. I think I will continue to create in one form or another for, you know, probably the rest of my life. Yeah, you have that creative team that, that, that drives creative people. I'm a Pisces. So, you know, that's, that's DNA right there. That is just automatic, is that, that creative Pisces drive. Pisces are artists. Yeah, I have a yes. Venus in Pisces. I know a lot about astrology. Yes. Pisces are artists. Actually, my best girlfriends are Pisces. Oh, yeah. there you go. I mean, it's <laughs> yeah, it's just something. It's just something. Oh, I I can't even explain it. But it's like you like I love writing. I love obviously talking. I love art. I love painting. I love. It's just something, and like you said, it's a drive. 
But then it's something deeper than that, that many people can't, can't even, you know, put put their finger on. And, uh, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. So it's, a, so, it's a force in you. It's a force in yeah. you, a force of nature that just drives you, pushes you to do it, even though you know it's hard and you're going to suffer a little bit and there's going to be some pain involved, but you're still going to do it. Yes. Right. Yes, yes, yes. Now, another question that I had is how did you go from acting to being a acting teacher and for for many students as Pam said I mean you have Chris Rock and Gabrielle Union Penelope Cruz um what made you decide to not really switch careers but kind of add on to it it was basically uh by demand I um there was one very faithful day that I remember I had two auditions and then I had like seven people called me for coaching and I had to pick one or the other. I either had to drive to Pasadena and drive to Hollywood and do those two auditions, and that was going to require the whole day pretty much, or I could coach seven people that really needed me to help them with their auditions. And I remember it was like a turning point because I called my agent and I said I wasn't going to do it, and they were not too happy. But uh, and then I booked the coachings. Um, I guess it was, you know, one sure thing <laughs> versus you have to drive all day and you don't know if you're going to get it or not. Right. But, um, but it, it was more than that. It was really me just wanting to pass down the knowledge that I have because, you know, I've, I've studied uh, so many, with so many people, many iconic teachers, you know, from Stella Adler to Herbert Bergdorf to Uta Hagen. And I just, so many uh, teachers have inspired me. And, you know, and I teach a specific technique called the Golden Box, which is an amalgamation of all the teachings and all the experiences that I've had artistically. And, uh, you know, my desire to want to pass it down, you know, I think was stronger than whatever I could gain from acting, which, by the way, I still love to do. So when people ask me to do movies, you know, mostly I say yes, uh, even, you know, shorts. I'm just always happy to, you know, be creative in that way. Uh, and, and enter the tunnel of my imagination, but um, but I, I really saw that I could be of, of service and I could help actors, and and that's what I do. And I love to this day. I mean, I love teaching so much. Um, I just love doing that. And I'm sure it's very much appreciated, as you know, because there's. I don't know how many acting coaches are out there, but you've got the experience behind you and for you to be able to pass that on, especially to somebody just starting out, just got to mean the world to them when they see your background. Well, to answer your question, there are certainly a lot of acting teachers out there, but um, (laughs) you know, and and teachers I think can get easily, uh, you know, from what I've observed and I know, Easily burnt out, you know, you get easily jaded. And um, so I think it's important for acting teachers um, to also keep doing something creatively, whether it's in the theater or whether it's, you know, in front or behind the camera, um, because that's the, the fuel that keeps you going. Right. Um, because it's, it's, it's a lot of energy and a lot of generosity of spirit to be a teacher because it's constantly, you know, you're giving. And, of course, you, you get rewarded by watching, you know, your students, you know, succeed and, and gain right. something. And, you know, have light bulbs go on inside of them. There's a lot of, you know, uh, pleasure that is to be had 
Uh, but um, but I think mostly it's important to, to continue on your creative journey. And, uh, and that's what I do. And I think that every time I step into a classroom, after I've either come out of the editing room or come out from being on set, you know, I just have something more to give. Right, right. You're both rewarded in the end, so that's a good thing. Now, yes. as an as an acting coach, how do you know when an actor is ready to go out into the world and find an acting job? I mean, I know you have the years of experience, but are there times when you say to yourself, he's ready or she's ready? I hope you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Well, you know, when someone, you can tell when someone's green and they don't mm-hmm. yet know. Uh, I mean, not only how to handle themselves when they actually book a job, but even to book a job, um, you know, it has to do with uh, a certain, you know, knowing how to make choices in your work so that you're compelling to watch. And either you have those techniques or you don't have them yet, in which case you have to learn them and you have to exercise. You have to go to the gym. It's like I always say, you know, when I ask my classes, how often do you go to the gym? A lot of people, you know, go to the gym at least three to five times a week, if not every day. And then I ask, how many times do you go to the acting gym? And, um, <laughs> you know, uh, not that many times. You wait for the audition to do the work. Instead, you have to do the work every day. I call it a daily ritual. And uh, because when you do the work, that's when you get the work. Right, right. Now, do you think that everybody is, able to be trained to be an actor like say for example just myself I've literally had no training whatsoever um and I don't even know if I could do it because I get afraid (laughs) of doing like anything like public speaking even though I do this on the radio but it's different because (laughs) I'm not in front of a bunch of people looking at me so (laughs) would that would that work for somebody like myself not everybody, but I think so many people and are doing it. And even, you know, that's, I think, part of the attraction of all these reality shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that maybe they don't know the techniques on how to break down the script and create a character like Meryl Streep would because uh, they didn't go to Yale or they didn't go to Juilliard or they didn't go to a program, a conservatory, where they've learned. I mean, actually, acting is a craft. But there's a lot of people that have natural ability in mm-hmm. them uh, and like to be in front of the camera. Uh, they like that feeling of, of being seen and expressing themselves in that way. And you see the difference when people do well in interviews, how they speak, you know, how they love to tell stories. And sometimes, you know, you'll have actors that are wonderful actors in front of the camera and they, you know, morph into a character. But as soon as they're doing an interview, they're just, you know, very shy and, you know, they don't mm-hmm. really, they're not storytellers. Yeah. Um, so it's so interesting about who's got it and who doesn't have it and who can do it and who can't do it. But I think mostly the answer to that is a lot of people can and some people just can't. Yeah. <laughs> and that would be me. I don't know if I could ever get over stage fright. I mean, it has gotten worse over the years, which is weird because usually as an adult, you grow into learning how to move past things. But mm, just, nope, I would have to be one-on-one with you. So are you ready? No, I'm only well, kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, never... I, would, I would talk to you about the fright and, and, and get you to see that maybe it's definitely not 
uh, fear that has to do with anything that's happened in the present moment, but something that probably happened, you know, way back in your life that you're recreating and bringing, you know, on when you experience it in that moment. So it's really nothing that's really happening in the moment. It's something from Mm -hmm. the past that's with you. And so if you can, you know, work on that, uh, exercise it out of you, then you'll realize that it's, uh, you know, it it could happen. You could be right there in the moment and then be creative. Let's say if you had to, you know, do public speaking or sing a song in front of people or, you know. Or do you, for instance, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that movie, Up in the Air with George Clooney. So they interviewed Mm -hmm. all the real people that were losing their jobs. And one of, I thought, one of uh, of the best moments was uh, this woman that talked about losing her job, being fired, and she broke out into hives. And that was just so real. It was so, you know, and that's what's great about um, maybe somebody who's not an actor, but who can tell a story in a very truthful way. Right, right. Well, I guess you have to be part psychiatrist, too, to help people like me. <laughs> well, so you, acting you re- does have some therapeutic effects. That is right. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've recently completed your latest project as a director for the film The Runner, starring Cameron Douglas, Elizabeth Rahm, and Eric Balfour. Are you able to share with us what it's about and a little bit about the characters? Yes, I saw a news report a few years ago now, about three years ago, about how police informants, um, police uh, enforcement forces uh, high schoolers to become informants and try to, you know, bring down the drug kingpin of the town, of the school. And, uh, you know, a lot of the times, you know, parents don't know about it. And uh, kids are used as sacrificial lambs in order to capture, you know, the big bad guy. But... um you know, so so and and tragedies happen. So anyway, I wrote this treatment and then I put it away. And then I spoke to a writer friend of mine who um, wrote this last movie that I directed, also Bad Impulse, and uh, Jason Chase Terrell. And he wrote the screenplay and we worked on it. And um, yeah, and so it's that's what it's about. It's it's really told through a suspense action thriller, but uh, it's the story of this kid that's forced to go undercover uh, to capture, you know. The, the the big drug lord. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> I, I can't know. Wait That's to the kind see of that, right? Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about our kids, and it's got a lot of young up and coming actors, and also has, like you mentioned, these other wonderful actors, and and of course, you know, um, you know, it's about our kids that need help, and um, and it's about drugs, yes. And um, but it's beautifully it's beautifully shot. I have a great director of photography, and uh, you know it's it's uh, there's poetry in this story, even though it's also harsh at times. Wow! I want to know when going into a project like The Runner or Spanish Town, is your mindset the same or different since they're different genres? Well, I'm attracted to different genres. You're talking about the Bandit Hound, right? Runner. Yeah, like, so the Bandit did- Hound is with dogs. I did the thing that they say not to do, you know, work with dogs and work with kids. And I had lots yeah. of dogs and kids. Um, but I also had Luther Rigno in that, and, you know, the original Hulk, and Vern oh, Troyer. Okay. And there's a very funny scene, Minnie Me, between the two of them. Well, late Vern Troyer now, because sadly he's passed away. Uh, and Catherine Bell and Judd Nelson. Just a great cast, and Paul Sorvino was in it. 
I'm attracted to different genres. My first movie was a romantic comedy, How to Go on a Date in Queens. My second movie was a, a drama, Hello, Herman. My third movie uh, is a family movie, family adventure movie. Uh, the next movie after that, um, which is going to come out now, Bad Impulse, is a psychological thriller with horror and supernatural. And this last one is a suspense action you know, thriller. So I'm, uh, I'm definitely attracted to different genres. There's no question about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It doesn't sound like there's just one specific thing that you're putting yourself into and, you know, you kind of get stuck pigeonholed as they would say. So, um, well, it's a story, you know, it's a story that interests me, whatever genre it is. I just love, you know, um, I get passionate about the story that I want to tell. That's that. Right. That's the DNA right there. That's that DNA that creates the <laughs> DNA right there. The impulse, the right. mystery, the like curiosity of what the story is. How can it be told in a way that I can tell it? If that makes any sense. Exactly. Like there's exactly. yeah. There's certain. Mhm. Yep. See. Yeah. See, that's creative DNA. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's in your DNA. You just have to tell it. You have to do it. Yes. Well, is there anything that you haven't done yet that you would like to do? Oh, many things. <laughs> you know, there's a period piece that I want to direct. There's another uh, romantic comedy I'd like to do. Um there's a TV show I'd like to do. There's many, many things. I'm developing different projects and uh, also with my son who loves to create. And so uh, I'm sure that the next decade is going to be filled with projects. That's awesome, especially if you're able to work with your son. I mean, how amazing is that going to be? You know, there's not a lot of people that have the type of job where they can work with their child and uh, their child has that passion behind them and wants to do something with their parents instead of others who say, mom, do I really have to, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, I have a very close relationship with my kids and my 17 year old one is uh, 17 year old one is uh, passionate. He's going to go to film school next year and he's passionate, passionate, about telling stories both in, in, you know, in front of the camera and in the theater. He loved the theater. Okay. We've got to keep a lookout for them. Coming up yes. this year, next year, we're going we're gonna to see it. We're going to see it. It's going to be a family exactly. trip. It's going to be yeah. the dynasty. New new dynasty. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> so I want to address this. And I when I heard that you I was like, I'm I'm going to ask Michelle because I feel as though she will definitely have a strong opinion about it. Um, this, you know, a couple of weeks ago was the Academy Awards. And, again, congratulations to all the winners. However, with the best director, again, for, what, the second year in a row, there was no female directors nominated. I wanted right. to know, from your point of view, how did you feel about that? And what does it, what needs to happen for Hollywood to acknowledge these strong, powerful female directors? Because there was a lot of good female directors directing good movies in the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, uh, it's not easy for female directors, very, very clearly. Uh, they will 
give it first to a South Korean director, although he definitely deserved it, um, for sure. Well, the same way that, you know, it's hard for a woman to be president. Uh, there's, you know, it's something for us to look at, that uh, it's not easy. I always tell all my students to watch the movie Suffragette, you know, what it took, what it cost us to get the right to vote. Um mm-hmm. So it's not, uh, yes, you know, I think that uh, there needs, first of all, there's not enough women directors. Gina Davis has an organization where she tracks, you know, uh, how many women directors there are, and there's not enough of them. And, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, you know, more of a man's world. But uh, it doesn't mean, you know, one year, um, I think all the women have to rise up and they have to, you know, push and speak up and create stories and, you know, create women's stories and find a way to get them done. Um, you know, there was one year where you know everybody was you know very upset because there wasn't enough. Um, you know, whether it was your uh, the year before Black Panther uh, was nominated, yeah. there wasn't enough African American artists that were nominated, and then the year after they were, and then this year not so many. Um, but, you know, so it's it's a constant. I think it's going to be a constant. You know, challenge to, you know, stay in there, you know, stay in the game and, and push. And there needs to be more, uh, you know, artists of uh, all minorities that get a, get a yeah. shot. Yeah. That's you know, very clear. I was going to ask this question, too. Do you feel as though, <clears throat> because I read an article and it kind of struck a nerve with me where they said that, the reason behind the fact that there's not a lot of female directors is because of the fear in Hollywood, that there's a fear of a female director being successful in Hollywood, especially nowadays. Do you feel as though that that's accurate? Do you feel as though there's a fear? Obviously, I, I don't think there is a fear. I, I think that there could be. The, the fear to me is um, – you know, in order to direct something, then you have to be strong um, and you have to rally it all in. And there's so much, um, I mean, it's difficult. It's a difficult exercise. And, um, you know, and sometimes, I mean, you know, it feels like the man, the man has the strength. And, uh, and women are, you know, it's that um, <laughs> cliche of women are just not as strong. And when you think of director, a director telling a story and, and, you know, getting a movie done and finishing, you think of, of strength. I think that that's one of the things that we're battling with is people are afraid to entrust female directors with big budgets. I mean, the first female director that won an Oscar was Catherine Bigelow for, you know, The Herd Locker. And since then, yeah. no one else, <laughs> right? Um, I, don't know, I haven't watched the Oscars every year, but I don't think anyone else is Kevin Bigelow. Um, <clears throat> I think that there is fear. There's a sense of fear that women are not going to be as strong as men and are not going to be able to get it done. Well, <clears throat> we'll be looking for you to be nominated and rooting for you because we, we believe that you have some fantastic movies okay. coming up and there's absolutely no way that they should not nominate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> well, we could, we could literally spend all night chatting with you about your many talents and expertise, but before we let you go, 
Would you mind sharing with our listeners where they can find you on social media as well as where your acting classes are available, please? Yes, yes, you can go. I mean, I'm all over. So you just do my name, Michelle Dana. I'm everywhere, but it's michelledana.com. And uh, All in Films is the production company, and that's where you can find me. Wonderful. Well, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us. We thoroughly enjoyed it. Let us know when your movies are out, and we'll be definitely watching for them. Um, And any other projects. That's so great. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to talk to you. You're very welcome. Have a good evening. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What an amazing woman. I mean, she just does everything, and I don't know how she does it. You know? I am in awe. I love what she said, though, about the teachers. I mean, right? teaching, you know, obviously speaking for experience, you do feel overwhelmed, but at the end, you got to put it aside and look at the big picture. You're changing mm. somebody's life. And it's so rewarding. And especially, I can't imagine, like, we, we just named some, obviously, literally Michelle has the who's who of acting students. And some of you guys may know some of them, like we just said. But to see their careers take off and kind of, you know, going, you know, if you trace it, it goes back to Michelle. That's a reward. That's like that's like a huge compliment. It's better than an award. I'm going to be honest. Right. Even though, right. you know, just saying. But... It's just that I loved how she said that. Well, and I look at it this way, too, because of you being a preschool teacher, you've got to feel so good with yourself when when your child or children, you know, move on to the next grade. And, you know, you know, they're ready because of something you've done. I mean, even before before, obviously, I became the preschool. Mm-hmm. And let me just address the the the, the infants. These infants were are, were crawling. Before I transfer, same building by the way. They two of them started walking. So uh. that is like you know, parents. I know you guys get excited. I get excited because it's like okay, we went from this to this, and now they're growing. Like they're becoming real little people. And yeah, right. now in the preschool room, this is the last stop before they go into school. You know and start their own their own journey and it's just I mean I've been doing this now for a long time and I still talk to the kids that have you know left the the daycare and gone to school and they still say oh that's okay that's okay that's what I did Ah!" (laughs) it's just it's that it's that pride it's like you know for all the teachers that are listening you know what, what Michelle was saying, burned out, you'll be like, oh, my God, like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. But in those moments, that's feeling ever. That's feeling ever when you see I them can... and they're so proud of themselves. Right, exactly. Cry. <laughs> no crying allowed in baseball. Oh, this isn't baseball. Okay, so you can cry. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I very much mm-hmm. enjoyed doing this interview with you, Candace, and I so appreciate you. you doing it with me. And no I look problem. forward to 
I look forward to the next interview that we do. And, of course, follow us on social media and, and go to TakeTwoRadio.com with the number two to see what we have upcoming. So everyone mm-hmm. enjoy the rest of their nights. We hope you enjoyed listening to Michelle. And we'll see you again on Thursday for our Soaps and Review show. Take care, everybody. Oh, yeah. Have this a good night. To talk about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Good night, everybody. (laughs) Welcome to Take Two Radio. We are pleased to bring you interviews with people in the entertainment and music industry, discussions and recaps of the four remaining daytime soaps, that's The Bold and the Beautiful, The Young and the Restless, General Hospital, and Days of Our Lives, as well as various other shows. For upcoming and previous shows, check Take2Radio.com, that's with the number two, and you can find us on Blog Talk Radio, iHeartRadio, iTunes, and other streaming apps. Follow us on social media at Take2Radio, and thanks for listening. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.